0: Hello everyone and welcome once again to Motos and Friends, a weekly podcast brought to you by the editors of Ultimate Motorcycling. My name is Arthur Coldwell's Associate editor Kelly Callan has been commuting recently on the new Triumph Speed Twin 900. It's probably not anyone's first choice for a commuter bike, nor is it really a canyon sport bike either. So what's the point and where does it fit in? Kelly gives us her thoughts and impressions of riding this retro styled machine. Have you looked at the 2023 Suzuki Hayabusa yet? It's one of the most iconic sport bikes ever. It's faster and the most technologically advanced Hayabusa ever. Check it out in person at your local Suzuki dealer now or visit suzukicycles.com to learn more. In our second segment, Associate Editor TJ Adams chats with Mark Biker Mark Sloper, a.k.a. Mark Illuminati. This laughingly self-described bionic neon sign maker, who keeps accidentally electrocuting himself, is a successful artist. He was recently named as Art Ambassador for the Cabinet's office in Great Britain. His punk-inspired pieces are held by both the late Queen Elizabeth and now US President Joe Biden. For us motorcycle peeps, Biker Mark is possibly better known as a motorcycle documentary director and producer. Projects such as I Superbiker and Speed Is My Need now include a new movie, NW200, The Real Road Race. This one follows American force of nature Lady Racer Patricia Fernandez as she attempts the bone-chilling Irish road race, the Northwest 200. These movies are all available on Netflix. Check your local region for availability. Self-styled I'm Just a Hooligan, Biker Mark's creative energy and zest for living dangerously comes across with each new revelation. So, from everyone here at Ultimate Motorcycling, we hope you enjoyed this episode.
1: This is the newly named Speed Twin, used to be the Street Twin 900, and it's, it's the same bike, just has a new name. So it's now the Speed Twin. And um, as you said, there's the larger bike, which is, I guess now it'll be called its big brother, the, the 1200, um, which I think previously was just the Speed Twin, but now it's the Speed Twin 1200 to differentiate between the two sizes.
0: And this is the sort of the retro styled parallel twin.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's a cruiser, basically.
0: Okay. A retro modern classic. Yeah, there you go.
1: Basically, it looks like a really cool old motorcycle, but it rides like, you know, modern motorcycle, which is more comfortable and uh, safer and all that.
0: Okay, good. So so whereabouts have you been riding it? Have you had a chance to take it into the canyons or have you been commuting or?
1: I have not taken it into the canyons, um, just commuting. I'm I'm doing commuter route review for this. So I've, I've spent more time on the freeway than I would actually like for this bike. It's absolutely capable on the freeway, but that's not where it really shines. Mostly I would say because at least around Los Angeles and commuting, I'm always in a hurry. The traffic on the freeways in the hurry. So if you're not stuck in traffic, you're going faster than the speed limit just to kind of keep up with everything. And that's when you really notice the wind blast because it's a naked bike. Um, so you know, if I'm going above seventy miles an hour, I really start to feel it. And yes, I was mostly doing that. Um, if you <laughs> if you're going sixty-five, the fact that it's naked, you don't even really notice it. Most of that wind actually does go. It goes over your helmet, and it's quite pleasant. Um, I did spend time, though, on surface streets, and I did have cause to go over one of the canyons um, twice, and it's kind of funny when I did that, and I make this canyon run a few times, you know, every quarter because of the dentist or whatever, and um, one particular canyon, the speed limit in there is now reduced. You're, like, literally going 30 miles an hour, and they're really checking it. And usually I'm on some kind of sport bike and I'm so frustrated, right? Right, But I'm going 30 miles an hour. The cars in front of me are adhering to that speed limit. Good for them. This is the first time when I went over the Canyon and I was just like, it's fine. It's chill. And it was all because I'm on this, this speed twin, which to me, I know why they changed the name, but it doesn't make sense to me. Yes. The bike can go fast, but. Street Twin made more sense to me because when I'm on the bike, it just I'm happy to just go along at a moderate pace. It's a kind of the upright seating and everything just makes you chill out. So that was the first time I went over the canyon, and I didn't care that I was going slow up to the top. It was just like, ah, eh, it's fine,
0: so in other words it's it's a bike that you can sort of enjoy its its personality and charisma rather than just sort of focusing on riding like a sport bike you can actually sort of enjoy the ride on it by the sound of it
1: oh absolutely and you know whenever i get on bikes like this it's it's always a joy really to remind you you know the the fun of riding bikes not that as you know going through a canyon and riding fast isn't fun that is but this is kind of the more you know traditional elemental whatever just you know enjoying the ride looking at Scenery, that sort of thing and this bike just really it gives it just makes you want to do that um and it's funny first time I got on the bike and it's got that nice bench seat you know I mean the bike has a great look they did a fabulous job with the way it looks first thing I noticed is it's it's low it's a low seat um it's just really okay yeah I mean to me it's 30.1 inches and I'm easily flat-footed on it easily and in fact it's one of those things where you swing your leg over and you kind of like your other foot hits the ground and you're kind of like oh oh this is a low seat so you know for for a lot of people that's going to make it very accessible
0: but if you choose to push it and choose to ride it you know like a sport bike and you know and get some get some fun out of out of uh cornering and what have you it's capable of doing that or does it just handle horribly and you, you it doesn't won't do anything
1: no it actually it's quite good um and, and, I, and I'll say something about that. I, the first thing I wanted to say, though, is that when I first got on the bike, aside from noticing how, I don't want to say short, but short, <laughs> the saddle was, you know, from what I was expecting, and you pull away, it's it's got such a torquey engine, and it it just feels muscly, you know,
0: which right. is
1: cool feeling. it's got this low rumble to it, and so you're just kind of like, this is chill, and this feels powerful, but not powerful like you want to go fast, just like you're going to go confidently down the road and it's so it it makes a, a really fun ride around town but back to to your question so when I went up the canyon just at a moderate pace and that was all lovely and I was enjoying everything when I got to the top and got to Mulholland and nobody was in front of me so I got to enjoy cornering faster and so forth and the bike actually does handle very nicely here's what I'll say though it's it feels a bit heavy I, I actually looked up the the weight. Which was 476 pounds, and I was surprised it wasn't heavier. It feels heavier than that, and I don't mean that as negatively as it might sound. It's not like you can't turn, um, and you know it actually handles nicely, but it just has kind of a heavy feel to it. Um, okay, I think the weight's kind of low, so it, that's why it handles well. But you can you can move through the corners and, and have a good time with it.
0: Right. Right. So it's probably it sounds like, uh, the you know, the steering on it is a little a little slower. And again, that's not a not a negative, but it's going to make the bike feel more stable. So, you know, so it feels probably a lot more planted. You can you know, you can enjoy the ride and you feel safe and secure riding it. Was that accurate?
1: Oh, that's absolutely true. Planted is. um a good word for it okay. in a very good way you know just some bikes just have that that heavy presence and again that tends to sound negative but it's not it's like planted and comp and it just feels good however there's always a however right, <laughs> right. the one place that it doesn't feel that way um, and really this is just because of the tires i think the tire tread pattern really um, and the tires they're Pirelli phantom sport comp um, something about the tread pattern when I'm on one of splitting lanes on the freeway, it does not like painted lines at all and not much right. fan of the rain grooves either. So there would be times where I'd be splitting lanes and I'd feel it. And it, you know, you want to get off of the paint as soon as possible. In general, you don't want to be on it anyway, but on that bike with those tires, it was just like, not a good, not a good match. So. Um, that was the only, only time, only experience on the bike where you just kind of go, hmm, I don't like the the way that feels.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I, that is probably down to the tires. So, do you know what size wheels it has on it? Does it have seventeen inch wheels? Eight. It's got eighteen inch wheels.
1: Yeah. And I, I mentioned that to Don, and he was like, "There's not a lot of options to switch out." Right. You know. So, again, I don't think commuting on the freeway is its best place. Although it's completely capable of doing that. I mean, I had it up to 85 Uh, right, and it feels solid as a rock other than on the lines, but you know what I mean? So the bike can do it, but where it really shines is um, more on the local roads and the canyons. I I didn't do the, you know, a lot of fast canyons at all. As I, as I mentioned, I only did a little bit at the top of Mulholland, but um, the bike's just, it's really, it's just fun at a lower speed.
0: Right right does it have decent ground clearance on it i mean you know if it, if it's handling well and feels planted in the corners if you do get a bit of your you know you're crazy on it, are you grinding the the undercarriage or is it okay
1: i i didn't ever come close to doing that you know i wasn't going
0: oh wow okay i
1: wasn't on some super tight stuff where, where i went on Holland, but i it felt pretty pretty um nimble and and like it wasn't going to be an issue but as i said i wasn't on the tightest stuff where you might have scraped a peg or something
0: right it sounds like this bike is really aimed at someone who like you say they're not a hardcore sport rider Mm -hmm. they enjoy riding in a sporting way but but mainly they're just interested in the sort of the looks and and how cool it is and the heritage and just the whole charisma of the bike
1: yeah i i really think so um it's just one of those bikes that I guess charisma is the right word. Did you say that charisma? Yeah, because yeah, it's there's that certain thing when you're on it that it just kind of makes you feel good and you're kind of smiling and I'm not even right. sure why because like you said, most of the time we'll think, ooh, if something's really fast or really sporty, like, yeah. yeah, but this still manages to make you just feel really good and you're having a good time. And
0: It's a lifestyle bike, really.
1: That's it, exactly. And like you yeah. said, it, it's capable of doing some sporty stuff if you want to, you know? but it doesn't right. engender you to push.
0: Right, right. That sounds great. What were the the rest of the amenities on it like? I mean, I assume the brakes are pretty decent. I mean, they're probably not going to set the world alight, but...
1: Yeah, brakes were good. Uh, it has so much, because of the, all the torque and so forth, it's got a lot of engine braking. So, the, you know, that's really nice. Um, if you do get on that front brake, it it's um, really nice action because it's not, you know, it's not like a sport, Break where it's like going to really grab or anything, but there's plenty of power it's just a a single disc okay yeah, there's just a single disc in front it's a three ten and then a two two fifty five millimeter in the rear. I use the rear just a couple of times to just check it. you know if you're like coming up to a light or something, and that actually is nice as well so they're they're good brakes. I will say this if you're going like really fast on on the bike and as I said, it has that weighty feel. The brakes are not like sport brakes, so when you get on that front brake and think you're going to slow yourself really quickly, no, you're not going to. But they're perfectly um, matched with what it's, you're probably going to do with that bike.
0: So the, I, I assume it comes with ABS.
1: ABS for sure. Yeah, there's just two riding modes. I mean, there's a rain mode and a road mode. So.
0: All right. Yeah, it's a really it's a really nice looking bike. I mean, it really seems to. Sort of, uh, you know, tick a lot of boxes. I like it. What are the uh, the instruments on it? Um, it looks like it's got round clocks on it.
1: Just one, just one round clock um, analog. There's not a lot. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's, you know, a simple round clock with the sweeping speedometer. There's no tachometer. Right. Plenty of little like, you know, trip one, trip two, all of that sort of thing. There is a fuel gauge. Thank you. We are happy to see that. And the time, that's it it's pretty basic though it looks nice and speaking of those things um especially because it's a pet peeve of mine the mirrors there's no buzzing at any rpm (laughs) okay and and because of the type of mirrors they are um you can see well you're not seeing your shoulder sure which makes it really nice for commuting and lane splitting and all that because you can you see really well you're well aware of what's around you and the upright seating of course contributes to that so that's good
0: sure um i assume it doesn't have cruise control or any of those kind of things it's just a, a sort of fairly basic
1: right uh what else can i tell you oh and it's it's a five speed
0: okay um, that's unusual
1: wide ratios too I it's easy to be on the freeway at least initially it was um and be in fourth gear and not even realize you haven't kicked up to fifth gear wow you know but so it's nice though. Yeah.
0: Okay. And, and, uh, comfort that that seat is, is good looking. It's got that sort of really flattish kind of bench seat, but uh, a little bit of a rider accommodation there. Is it comfortable?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's totally comfortable. And because it's a bench seat, I think that's really good for maybe taller riders because since the bike itself is kind of low, you know, you can push back a bit. Right. Um, if you've got legs, But it it is really comfortable. And and speaking of, I guess that sort of leads us into suspension. It's non-adjustable in the front and just preload adjustable in the back. So there's nothing much you're gonna do with it, but it's pretty comfortable between how they have that, you know, how, how it was set up, which is quite nice. And then that thick, comfy seat you know you are certainly aware of the irregularities in the roads around town you feel the bumps but it's it's a nice cushion to it so like like any bike pretty much the faster you're going over some of the really rough stuff the more you feel it Uh, Um, yeah but i found it to be a pretty comfortable ride right
0: nice looks like it comes in several different color options
1: it does. Um the same colors from last year, jet black and matte ironstone are back, but then they've also um brought in matte silver ice, which is the one we were testing. And that looks really pretty sharp because it has a little bit of yellow and plus it has the um the logo is changed. It's it's new, but it has that kind of retro logo look to it. Pretty sharp.
0: Yeah, yeah. Looks like a really nice bike, relatively basic. So You know, just kind of a a simple, enjoyable machine to ride. It's got, like I said, it's got the personality and the charisma. So, um, so it sounds like a a really fun machine, good lifestyle machine.
1: It is. And I think also because for, for a variety of reasons, it's really an easy bike to ride. I mean, it's funny, most of the time we talk about, you know, beginner bikes should be smaller engines. And this is a 900, but this, the engine is so, um, friendly, uh, the power is so smooth that I think a beginner, you know, a, a novice type writer would be fine on it. The the controls, it's like the clutches is not heavy at all. Right. The shifting is spot on. So, and, and we already talked about the brakes, you know, there's nothing grabby there. It's, it's a nice sort of progressive um, break with that doesn't engage like immediately, you know? So it's, it's a, an easy bike to ride
0: so if not an outright beginner bike it's it it could certainly serve as a novice bike somebody who, who's sort of not terribly experienced but wants something easy and user friendly that they can just really enjoy themselves you know riding around town until to they they really find their feet i guess
1: yeah the, the good distinction maybe not beginner but novice you know somebody who knows how to ride maybe they're moving up but yeah it's a, a really a fun bike, um, easy friendly. And it just it makes riding enjoy. As I said, it it made me not care that I wasn't going fast when I was kind of trying to make time. It's just like, ah, you know what? I'm just having fun on this bike. So oh, and the other thing I'll say is riding position, the way the tank is, when I am on the freeway and trying to make some time, I can tuck my knees like right under the tank, which gives you a good grip on the bike. I always find riding position like how I can um, wrap my legs on the tank or the you know to be important and if you get a really nice comfortable fit like that and you can really squeeze the bike or get your knees under it like that under the tank it just feels secure most of the time when you're going at a moderate speeds around town that doesn't really matter you're just enjoying you know you're sitting on the bike and having a good ride but when you're going fast you know you want to Kind of feel connected to it, and this bike makes it easy, just the way the tank's designed.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay, well, it's priced very reasonably. I think it should probably, you know, find a nice little niche in the market there.
1: Under ten thousand, you have to get jet black. That's nine thousand eight ninety five, and then for ten thousand one ninety five, you can have matte ironstone or matte silver ice. So basically, it's a three hundred dollar premium for the two other colors.
0: Right, and you really like that. Uh, the the um the matte ice color didn't you
1: yeah that matte silver ice which is new for this year i think that's the sharp looking one because it's got the yellow accents the other two are both you know you want to fly under the radar it's very conservative looking that's fine but and it's not like the yellow is wild or anything it's just little nice touches little accent
0: nice okay hey sounds great nice inexpensive motorcycle to have fun on
1: for, for a really pretty capable bike that could serve various you know um duties and as you said it can do some some weekend sport riding you can have a good time it's totally capable as a commuter you know just a round town bike and it looks so nice you know it's a really good bike so i think that's a good price for it
0: yeah sounds like a really nice bike but really the the attraction of it i would say is the looks is the styling it's got that got that retro charisma and uh I think that's what's cool. going to attract the track buyers, and it's not going not to make a huge dent in the wallet either.
1: Yeah, that's exactly. You, you have it pegged.
0: <laughs>
1: I, one last thing I'll say there's tons of options, you know, or accessories, I should say, accessories. Um, and as an option, they also have the option for heated grips, which we did not have on this bike, darn it, because it's been so cold lately. Um, I would have really enjoyed that, but oh well.
0: Yeah. Hey, thanks, Kelly. I really appreciate it. It sounds great. Thank you so much for all your impressions of it.
1: Oh, you're you're welcome. I have been enjoying the bike quite a bit.
0: In this second segment, Associate Editor TJ Adams chats with Mark Biker Mark Sloper, a.k.a. Mark Illuminati. This laughingly self-described bionic neon sign maker, who keeps accidentally electrocuting himself, is a successful artist. He was recently named as art ambassador for the Cabinet's office in Great Britain. His punk-inspired pieces are held by both the late Queen Elizabeth and now US President Joe Biden. For us motorcycle peeps, Biker Mark is possibly better known as a motorcycle documentary director and producer. Projects such as I Superbiker and Speed Is My Need now include a new movie, NW200 The Real Road Race. This one follows American force of nature lady racer Patricia Fernandez as she attempts the bone-chilling Irish road race, The Northwest 200. These movies are all available on Netflix. Check your local region for availability. Self-styled I'm Just a Hooligan Biker Mark's creative energy and zest for living dangerously comes across with each new revelation. Reputation precedes it, unmatched performance and striking style define it. We're talking about the 2023 Suzuki Hayabusa. This legendary sport bike is the quickest, most technologically advanced and aerodynamic Hayabusa ever. Its raw power and unparalleled acceleration matches your own drive while its head-turning design embodies your spirit's flair. Led by the Suzuki Intelligent Ride System, the Hayabusa gives riders a comprehensive collection of electronic rider aids like the bi-directional quick shifter, the drive mode selector, launch control system and the cruise control system that simultaneously increases performance, comfort and rideability. While its advanced analog and TFT LCD display panel connects you to the ride like never before, blending over 20 years of tradition with innovation. Plus, The Hayabusa comes in three new eye-catching colour combinations and it offers a full suite of available Suzuki genuine accessories that you can choose from. The ultimate rider waits, so head into your local Suzuki dealer now or visit SuzukiCycles.com to learn more.
2: Where are you? In my studio. And that's London? Yeah,
3: yeah. So I've got all sorts of uh, stuff in here.
2: I can see that. It looks very interesting.
3: It's like a sex shop.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I really want to hear about your neon art. You're a really keen motor motorcycle guy.
3: I've been on a motorcycle. My, my dad says I've been on a motorcycle um, since before I could ride a push bike. So I've been on bikes since I was like three, four years old.
2: And he started that for
3: you? Yeah, I used to- I grew up in the countryside. So when I was a kid, I was like the dirt bike champion. You know, of um, schoolboy scrambles, we call it here, but you call it motocross. Always, always, my nickname's Mark the Biker. (laughs) I saw that. (laughs) I know, and I just absolutely love motorcycles. I just, um, you'd think by my age, I might have like slightly grown out of them and I'm I'm more involved with them now than I've ever been. You know, I sort of direct uh, the motorcycle movies and I'm the director at British Superbikes. But I just love them. And I, I, well, not at the moment, but I do ride a motorcycle every day. It's just too cold at the moment.
2: Yeah, for sure. So how did you get involved with the superbikes?
3: Through a friend. uh, My friend James Whittam is the main television presenter. He's the ex-British champion. And he did an entertainment show for me about celebrities riding motorcycles. (laughs) And I had all sorts of stars in it, like Mark Knopfler from uh, Dire Straits. Awesome. Um, it was presented by this girl called Princess Tamara of Bourbon this Spanish princess who was into bikes um, and we just had all these fantastic sort of British celebs um, Hugh McGregor did it uh, my friend Charlie Borman all the, all the main sort of well known motorcyclists in Britain did this TV series for me and I became really good friends with James and he says oh you know come and meet the bosses at Superbikes and I did in a just sort of uh, uh, kind of snide snided my way in sideways sidled (laughs) in
2: and got involved yeah
3: yeah yeah and I've never left
2: (laughs) well it's the enthusiasm that that makes makes you interesting to people isn't it
3: well yeah I mean you know if you're really into something you know I don't even see doing the bikes as a job you know it's like I you know one I would do it don't tell the bosses but I would do it for nothing and (laughs) secondly secondly you're just um you make loads you, you know bikers are great guys you know we're all of the same sort of thinking and uh you know we're all friends and all the racism are my mates and uh uh i'm off to the world superbike launch uh january the 30th i'm flying out to meet my mate scott redding who's riding for bmw next year and, and, and we you know love him, it's just yeah. Like, yeah it's just like it's just like meeting friends and we go out and have a few drinks and you know tell me stories and I always try and sell them a bit of art now (laughs) most of (laughs) Of course most of the British paddock have got my heart yeah
2: well I'm not surprised it's fantastic um but you're right the motorcycle industry the ilk of the motorcycle person people involved they always seem to be decent nice people
3: always I mean just really nice and they're they're lifelong lifelong friends too you know that they're just um on Thursday, I'm I'm spending the afternoon with uh, my friend Leon Haslam of the Haslam sort of dynasty, and he's a he's like a mate, and I'm going to talk to him about doing a new Netflix movie for him on his return to British Superbikes next season. Well, oh, that's exciting. It is exciting. He came back last year on a very low key, but he's now going to be racing for a sort of a team with big money, and again BMW. And he should be able this year to to regain his title, I hope. Really get
2: out there, yes.
3: And I'm looking at doing um, a film on him re-winning this championship because previously I'd made a Netflix documentary about him called Speed Is My Need with Leon and Colin Edwards and Fast Freddy Spencer about what it takes to be a champion, the psychological processes of it. And Leon was the star of that film. And fortunately he won it for the first time. That Speed Is My Need. It was on Netflix. Speed America. Is My Need,
2: yes. I saw that recently. We, we can get it here on Netflix. If, if I'll put, put it in the show notes, a link to that. It's great. It's very informative and, and great footage.
3: Yeah, yeah. Most of it was filmed, you know, uh, all Fred, Freddie just hung out with me for a couple of days in my studio. And uh, we filmed some and it was just really nice. And I'd read Freddie's book Um, Phil, on a holiday, and it really brought home all these feelings in my head uh, about motorcycling. Um, I'm on exactly the same wavelength as Freddie. You know, you achieve things and you wonder what it's all about. What do I do next? And, you know, because my art has been a massive career change. I've only been, I went to art school, but I took art up professionally only about sort of eight, nine, ten years ago. Because it's that feeling like Freddie gets, you get to like, oh, I can, I'm directing the motorcycles now, I've made all these motorcycle movies, um, what, there's nothing else left for me to do in bikes, I'm too old to ride them, so then the art comes along, so, you know, it's another challenge, and, and, and that's what life should be about, you should always be looking for the next, next thing to push yourself into, you know, another level.
2: Yeah, it's nice when I, I read that book as well, Phil, and I'll put a link to that in the notes. It's nice when you get to a stage where you
3: decide to allow yourself to do what you really like doing. I just had that very conversation five minutes ago with an art friend. It's like we we, 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 we had this plan three, four years ago, just do stuff that we now want to do, but you know, hopefully get some sort of financial reward out of it. That's the difficult thing. Trust me, making the art, is not that hard i'm just thank god i'm really good at it but selling the art is hard
2: yes you are good your stuff is fantastic Uh, but i think you, you you're saying it's not difficult it's not hard because you really enjoy doing it that's the thing once you enjoy something you then you know don't notice the pain
3: yeah but i haven't interestingly done any motorcycle pictures yet but i can assure you they are most definitely coming they're probably brewing
2: you get well i i am an artist myself and i find things sort of um brew in the back of my head and then you know one day suddenly i'll get the urge to do one particular thing to lay something down some particular image not necessarily i don't sort of do photographic representations
3: yeah i um i, I dream my pictures and then i have to hop, oh, really? yeah i have to hop out i see them finished. And then I have to hop out of bed, sometimes at five in the morning, just to make the notes. And then I wake up in the morning going, oh, I didn't sleep properly. And then I remember I woke woken up because I'd written these notes. And then I just, I instantly, I have to do the picture the next day. I just have to do it.
2: How interesting. I've never heard that before.
3: No, it just comes to me and I see it finished on a gallery wall and someone buying it. It's the buying it bit that gets me out of bed.
2: <laughs> well, because, you know, you need to eat. As you say, you need some in- income. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Yeah, Touchwood, wood, the art's going really well. And funny enough, I've just starting now to get into America. I've just had my se- second shipment go to a gallery in Florida. They took a shipment before Christmas and um, they sold it all in a couple of days. Wow,
2: that's brilliant. Congratulations.
3: No, it's really good. So now I've, they took eight pictures, sold them, and now I've just sent them 15. And then uh, in the next few weeks, I'm going to be sending them some big, um, big expensive originals, which would be nice.
2: That's really good to hear.
3: Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's just more, you know, it's good and it's bad, isn't it? Because it's just more and more work you sort of pile up upon yourself. But
2: yes, it's not good to have the pressure, but also no. it, it will allow you to relax a bit and hopefully you'll you'll start making some more motorcycle films after you've done the Leon one.
3: Yeah, so my latest motorcycle film is um, the Northwest 200, the real road race. I filmed it last May in Ireland for... My uh, my pal Merv, the organizer, it's uh, a a week long event. It's like it's not a mini TT because it's run like a a closed circuit race. It's a mass start. People from all over the world come. And interestingly, my focus of the film is a young American. Let she's called the Lady Racer, Patricia Fernandez.
2: Yes, love her. I,
3: I love focus her. on her journey throughout the week. She's absolutely charismatic and fantastic
2: she's a firecracker isn't she
3: she is she's brilliant yeah she's up against uh the TT champion Peter Hickman she's up against Josh Brooks of Australia the British champion and she does not give a toss she just cares about herself and she's there to get results and she was the fastest lady there um in some respect she beat the bt the tt champion because he had to retire
2: you know i'm all for a bit of girl power i love to hear that exactly yeah she doesn't give a she doesn't give a damn does she
3: no and you need balls of steel to do that circuit i mean you're racing on a cliff edge an irish cliff edge at 200 miles an hour you come off and you'll know about it well you won't know about it because you'll be you'll be gone
2: wow yeah i have no idea what that track is like i i've i have heard of it because also we uh, recorded a podcast a couple of days ago with steve parish and he mentioned that i don't know if you saw him there he also mentioned that race and patricia so it's
3: steve steve's a good friend um yeah steve was our commentator with keith Hewen. so that film got released into the irish cinemas just in first week of december and it'd be all the hollywood films it was the number two film in ireland for the week
2: fantastic
3: And it was only on like 10 screens. So it was mobbed out every day. It was fantastic.
2: Gosh, that's awesome. I'm so pleased for you. And I'm pleased for motorcycles. It's great to have as much out there that people can enjoy as possible.
3: Yeah, and we got it going into the cinemas in the Isle of Man at the end of the month. And then everyone will be able to see it because it will go on the digital outlets. And then it will end up on Netflix, I hope, or Amazon.
2: That's brilliant.
3: It's a really lovely film. It's really Irish. And... um, And my friend Glenn Irwin of the Irwin clan uh, and little baby Alistair Seeley, the the wee wizard, they basically clean up. They win all their races. So it's the Irish winning for the Irish. It's really nice.
2: Yeah, they're a real close-knit community, aren't they?
3: They are. They are. And and again, the great thing, TJ, like I was saying, they're all friends. So when you're working with these guys and you're in their face and you don't leave their side, they don't even know I'm there because I'm just like their mate. It's always Mark with his camera, you know.
2: That's how you get the most out of it. I think that's why your films are so good, because of that personal uh, interaction.
3: Yeah, Yeah. if you were just to walk in, you know, off the sort of street, as it were, you would encounter, one, they wouldn't want to talk to you as they're putting their helmet on, you know, and secondly, they'd be very suspicious of your motives. But, you know, as I keep repeating, I am Mark the biker. I wish it was me on the damn thing, you know. It's just... (laughs) uh, And they all know that, so it's good. It's good.
2: I'm looking forward to that because it's, um, it's one of those grittier sides of motorcycling.
3: Well, there is, a, there is a dark side to the film. One of our great friends who I used to party with a lot in London called Simon Andrews, only a few years ago, he died on the track. Oh, it, uh, front, his front wheel imploded and he skidded down the road and died.
2: Oh, that's awful.
3: I've dedicated the whole film to him and mm. we go to hit the spot where he crashed and there's no no ex, no explanation to it other than that it was um incredible bad luck and um but we live with the fact that we know Simon died doing what he loved I know it's a cliche but
2: but it's true I mean I'd rather that than you know I think the most common thing is to have a heart attack when you're sitting on the toilet <laughs> I'd rather die doing something I'm enjoying and not know anything about it
3: exactly so you know it's, it is sad And unfortunately, with the road racing, there are fatalities because it's very hard to make the circuit 100 percent safe. But the Irish guys have been doing it a long time. They make it as safe as you possibly can. And, Mm. um, you know, that 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 little slight fear of what could happen if it goes wrong, it really gives everything the edge. You know, it's the last of the gladiators, I call it.
2: You're right. Yes, it is very gladiatorial and people you know have that intrinsic bloodlust unfortunately but yeah. that's what makes it is the thrill is as you say yeah. the
3: edginess it is it is and it makes it so exciting for the for the viewer you know um yes just um i mean i just i just love it i mean i loved my whole week there i just thought it was the and the irish people really nice the food was fantastic you could walk into any bar and you walk in and again hey, there's there's mark with his camera you know even though i've not got the camera and everyone knows your name in Ireland, and and you you know, and you make friends all the time. It's just really nice, even though I'm English. Dare I say? It.
2: Yes, that that can um, get you into a bit of trouble over here in the states. But it's just some old school feelings, I think. And yeah. also, you can get a nice healthy drink there. You can get get yourself a good stout and have some iron and tonic while you're at it. <laughs> a nice Guinness.
3: It was a lovely week. So I'm just going to see how this film does. But I have the opportunity to go back and. Um, refilm it next year if it's a great success which i'm sure it will be and i've kind of promised them that i'm going to come back
2: have you got a name for this one
3: no it'll just be i'll have to have a think about it because um if everything's got to be different uh but I, I i i said tj i just i'd only want to i only want to do stuff that i'm personally happy with and it's got a great story mm. but you know the stories are always there because the racers uh you know the commitment they put into these races and to be a professional motorcycle racer. I mean, the public's imagination is that, you know, they go down the pub with their mates and have a drink and then hop on a motorbike, what a bit of fun. Oh my God. I mean, all my films are there to break that perception. They are proper athletes, you know, and they train and train and train.
2: They take it seriously.
3: Mm. Yeah, they take it really seriously. And it's like being, I, I you know, I do boxing. It's like, it's just that little, that little extra bit of training that you put in will yield the results on the racetrack. You know, if you're really tough and you're really fit, you'll do well.
2: Mm, fantastic.
3: But also, of course, the other side of it is, uh, old. Uh, as we mentioned, our old friend Freddie's analogy. He had a very strong mind and he was
2: so... Freddie Spencer, yeah, the commitment.
3: It was the commitment. It was all in his head. You know, it was just like, I'm going to be the world champion and I'm just going to go through the processes to get there. And and indeed Mm. he did.
2: And I found that from from reading the book that it wasn't some, he wasn't just magically talented. He spent absolutely hours and days and most of his childhood honing in his skills.
3: As he says, going round in circles, Mm. circles, circles, because effectively that's what motorcycle racing is. It's going round in circles.
2: (laughs) You're right. So I was speaking to another artist that people will have already listened to on a previous podcast, Gary Petty, and he touched on um, neon and was saying how difficult it is. It's quite a process. I had no idea because we see these neon signs, especially around the States, the old ones. They're just fantastic. The diners and the, you know, the fooderies have these neon signs. It's just one of those classic visual effects. So are they really difficult to make and <laughs> what brought you around to featuring them in your art so much?
3: It's really hard. I was just at the, 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 where I blow the glass this morning doing some work. I've got a show in Korea at the end of February and I've done some unique Korean pieces and, um, which I've just posted on Instagram. But, um, you know, for as many times as we get the glass blowing correct. I'd say five times something goes wrong. It's really frustrating. I mean, I'm fairly new to it. I've, I mean, I've, like, so I've been doing it like eight, ten years and uh, it doesn't get any easier. I don't really understand why I'm not better at it, but you're dealing with glass and it's hot. Sometimes it's at your control. Like As it cools down, it cracks or you get a funny like, micro leak or it's just there's always something. Or I had one this morning. I, I, I thought I'd finished a word. And then the E wouldn't light up on the end of strike. And I was like, what the hell's that for? So we just went and re it at lunchtime and it's popped back to life. And now it's faded again.
2: Oh, unlucky strike.
3: Oh, uh, like, what is going on? It's just like, I thought that one was done and dusted and it's a sold piece and I have to deliver it next week. And now it looks like I'm going to have to like, give up my Sunday afternoon to go and redo it. How frustrating. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. It's like, you know, my background pictures, say the Queen, they're really ornate and they're all jeweled and they're all hand painted in oils. That's easy. Oh, Jesus, God, that's easy doing an oil painting. Wait till you try bending glass it's just <laughs> and doing electrics and then like blowing yourself up. It's horrible. You know, I don't quite understand. I've been really lucky that I'm alive. I've electrocuted myself this year I mean, we're only in January and I've electrocuted myself already and thrown myself across the room. It's, a, it's really a terrible, yeah it's dangerous it's dangerous it's like all the transformers run at such high voltage and i like sometimes I'm lazy and I I don't go through the right procedures and I just fly across the room but I'm thinking it's making me sort of bionic in my brain it's like the electric shocks I, I've given myself therapy because <laughs> I like visiting self-treatment yeah it's like my treatment because <laughs> I also like visiting nuclear power stations and I think the nuclear buzz like gives me a different dimension of thinking but these are just my own <laughs> theories everyone else says it's just like like make, making me more mentally ill but
2: well you have seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest have you
3: yes i have i like the uh, the, the shock therapy i was always very interested in it
2: i've never heard anybody say that oils are, are easy because to me the, the I, another artist actually I'd like to introduce you guys Andrew Hukin again I podcasted him motorcycling and art does seem to be a theme actually um he was well I, I know because I've known in some years his, his oil paintings take layers and layers and layers of care and redoing and you know it's a messy medium and the clearing up and well it sort of put me off <laughs> I stick to watercolors and then the layers <laughs> of, of protective gloss and varnishes the drying process and the, but you're saying that's easy it's it's all the the glass well
3: no, the glass is 10 it's really it's just ridiculously difficult but it puts me in a unique position yes the art world because hardly anyone one if you were to farm it, it'd be too expensive and secondly it puts me in a position where i've become quite sort of unique you know i like got but having said that though my prints my print versions of the originals always sell out in a couple of weeks so um uh, you know obviously that's just our normal sort of flat art no it's been going good I'm, I'm like you know I'm pleased with the progress of the art my thing is now is I, I want to come to America more get more galleries in America mm. and um, like I might I'm off back to Korea I had a show in Korea last year and I sold everything so they've taken me back for a bigger show But the problem with neon, of course, because it's glass and it's so delicate, is the shipping costs are horrendous. Right. They have to be so carefully created.
2: Mm.
3: You know, they are like putting like these sort of coffins and they're suspended and so you can't touch the glass. Gosh. Really, really a nightmare.
2: Sounds like you have to establish a studio for some months before you have a show, wherever you're going to have the show.
3: Yeah, because it's just difficult, the shipping. I mean, I, I did a show in New York last year. And out of 16 pieces that went to New York from London, uh, four of them were smashed. Oh, wow. But I made friends with the neon shop in New York called Let There Be Neon. And they were like my best friends and helped me fix them up. And So it was all, you know, there's always, it's like, you know, the art community is not dissimilar to the motorcycle one. It's like, if you're into something and people know that you're you're that person, um, everyone helps, you know, it's really nice. Mm. And then they, and then the guys from the neon shop came down and helped me hang the gallery because I was on my own oh how nice really nice any work I can give them back or any neon fixes in America they'll get the work you know
2: yeah that's good to hear good to hear mm. so what are you riding now what is the road bike that you're not riding because it's so cold but what, what have you got there in the garage <laughs> <laughs> uh
3: it's been my favorite bike I'm on my I'm, I'm on my second or third one mm. and it's the triumph t120 oh yes uh, and I'm really pleased with it. It's a big old lump of a thing. It's got fantastic acceleration. But because I use it for my daily commute through the traffic, it's a, a nice big old thing. And it's uh, you feel safe on it. And it's got a lot of power. It's got some speed. It looks beautiful. Yes. I, I've, got, I've got the the uh, special edition. And it, it's just, just this wonderful machine. And it's never, ever let me down, mechanically or electronically. It's a really... Solid, reliable thing. Mm. I still got a fun little trick bike. I've got a little uh, twelve hundred Ducati Monster, which I can do on me. That's not little. <laughs> I can do all me wheelies on it and show off to the kids and stuff. But um, I, I've always, and uh, I've always, always had um, a racing bike. But at the moment, I've got. I'm. I'm just. I've just literally sold it. I've had an Aprilia and um, I just. I, I just think that riding position, leaning over and with me bad old back now I just can't handle the things A brute is it, it's a full-on racing machine and
2: it does get to the stage and you're on your wrists depending on where you're riding of course
3: and I'm one of those people if you pass me on the track like on a track day I can't let you do that I have to get you back and that and I've got to the point now where you know I've lost the front I've lost the back I've managed not to kill myself and I just think I'm gonna really like I'm so competitive that I think I'm gonna I'm going to hurt myself so that's it just mm. I, I've just made the decision I, I'm not I'm
2: for safety reasons to draw the line under that hobby
3: safety reasons I'm I'm done with track days that's the young people's game and uh <laughs> I'll just enjoy my bikes for enjoying them you know and and uh try and take take it safe. The the, the the cat has got to go too to be honest with the wheelie bike because I was riding down the my local high street uh at the end of the summer and I was I saw a load of kids they all go like that do wheelie do wheelie so I did this wheelie down the high street but I thought I couldn't resist couldn't resist it but then the traffic lights came and they turned red and I was on the back wheel and I couldn't stop and I went through the traffic lights I think I was going about 70 miles an hour down the high street showing off and I was like Mm,
2: that's not good that's
3: not good (laughs) and it's a really bad and a really bad accident waiting to happen and also it's not good for kids to see that really I mean it looks great fun but I and mean, I don't want them copying me, you know.
2: Yeah. No, that's why there are tracks because you can do things you wouldn't normally do in the road. Yeah, I've got to grow up. <laughs> and but... as a funny funny aside, I'm about to do my first track day with Freddie Spencer. There's the champ school here. The champ school is supposed to be fantastic. So I'm gonna have a go for the first time.
3: Oh tell him we've been on the phone. I mean, I'm really so fond of Fred. He's such a great guy.
2: He'll listen to this. ah
3: good 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 so
2: you're going to go to all the 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 superbike events
3: yeah I I, you know I I I do do the television for the 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 race organizers but um Mm. I think I'll find I struggle to be at most of them this year because the art's just gone nuts and um you know I'm I'm sort of flavor of the month at the moment so I'm going to just Although it doesn't seem to be dying off. I've just been... Um, I think I
2: don't think it will because of the uniqueness of the neon. It's just amazing. And, and, you know, you'll probably get a lot of action. We have a lot of listeners here who want to see what you're doing.
3: Yeah, and, and, and I've, just, I've just had this great position given to me. The UK government, the Cabinet Office, have just made me their new art ambassador. So I'm representing art for Great Britain
2: awesome fantastic congratulations that's amazing
3: they they want to send me off around the world a couple of times next year to represent Britain and art and give a few little talks about the state of art um which I'm really looking forward to I've already I've already spoken in the houses of parliament I did that in October and then I was invited to a cabinet office party just before Christmas inside the foreign office with the prime minister and everyone all the whole wow and um They're all massive, and they all tell me they're massive fans of my art. So um, that's really good. So during the platinum weekend, when the Queen celebrates the 70th, I know the government sent one of my pictures to Joe Biden. Wow. But I haven't seen him with it yet, but he has one, or the embassy has it.
2: That's amazing.
3: Yeah, it's really good. I'm really pleased with myself about that because... You know, I am this sort of hooligan from the West Country of England.
2: <laughs> well done.
3: Got one of my doodles in the White House. You know,
2: congratulations.
3: At the moment, I think it's in the embassy in Washington, but yeah, it's 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 there or en route, which is nice.
2: So you met them during the Queen's seventieth, the Platinum celebrations.
3: No, no, that was just sent over from the from the government here. Sent it to some five of my pictures went to different embassies around the world. Oh, we see. Yeah. And then they were like, but the American one was on its en route to Joe.
2: Just to let our listeners know, because this is not visual, um, the pictures you're talking about, they sort of featured the Queen of England, her head. Yeah. And she would got tattoos and pulling on her and this, that and the other. Did she allow you to do that sort of thing with her image?
3: Yeah, I got. I actually got granted permission by Her Royal Highness to use. I was the last person allowed to use her image commercially. Oh. Um She said. She said my picture was a real hoot, and she looked really nice in it. Um, the only thing she asked me to do was change her tattoo. Originally, I had Philip on it, and she wanted the royal crest on it, uh, the unicorn and crown, because she wanted it to match her bathrobe and slippers. And that <laughs> is it. A- <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely story yeah it was nice it was an all the press here um which of course obviously was great for me because it, it made um made people buy the pictures you know it was just it was just a really good nice thing for me um and she took a picture from me and never gave it back so i was hoping she's got it up in her toilet <laughs>
2: oh that's fantastic yeah,
3: nice
2: we all love the queen
3: yeah not so much the others
2: well you know there's a hardcore whole bunch
3: of people who do there are so
2: yeah. how um how do people get to see your artwork in the easiest way i know you have um
3: my best one is uh, yeah i'm very active on instagram so it's uh at mark underscore illuminati illuminati or illuminati neil
2: don't worry i'll put it i'll put it down in the notes here so so people will be able to read it. and
3: i'm the person that lights everything up
2: yeah <laughs>
3: yeah So onwards and upwards with my art and with the motorcycling. And you're right. I think that the the, the two do seem to go hand in hand. So
2: Yeah, I'm finding that. Well, thanks for chatting with us. It's been a real eye-opener. I love your enthusiasm as well.
1: Yeah. Bye.